Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from Midgar and the edge of creation, we bring you today's episode asking, no, begging the question, did Final Fantasy VII Remake live up to the hype? But before we dive into that, there are some people, some very generous people who need to be thanked. And that is the Sages of the Lodge, being Alex Bamal, David Freeze, Shane Driscoll, Chris Perkowski, Corey Barchat, Scott Castellano, Andrew Parker, Nick Taborski, Charlotte Astry, Kevin McBride, Michael Fay, Richard Arnold, Dan Muller, Andrew Clay, and the family. Thank you very, 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 very much for all you do for the Lodge. I know some of those people. You do know some of those people. I do know some. Those sound familiar, some of those names. Yeah, exactly. Let's, uh, I think we should uh, actually give a little shout out to the Mosey gang. So, you know, sure. we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Ladies a and gentlemen, <laughs> let me introduce to you today's guest, Chris Birding from the Midgar Minutes. Now, Chris, hey, everybody. for those who may not know, please let them know what the Midgar Minute is. Oh, well, I'll, gla- I'll gladly do that, Nick. Uh, well, the Midgar Minute is a Final Fantasy VII, general Final Fantasy VII podcast. Uh, we've been going over, we've obviously been talking about the remake, and, uh, but we've also done episodes on like the soundtrack, uh, Advent Children. We plan on doing more stuff on compilation material in the future. So, you know, if you, if you enjoy Final Fantasy VII or anything therein, come give us a listen. For yeah. sure. And you can find us on Spotify, all, all the all the podcast platforms, all the, the Midgard All Minute, the ones. All the ones, whichever is your favorite flavor. Um, <laughs> and while we're at it, let's uh, give a shout out to the Mosey Gang. Those are the ones Mosey who gang. donate to the Midgard Minute and keep us rolling. Don't know how many of you will make it over here, but if you do yeah. happen to be here, like Scott, thank you very oh, much. Oh yeah, like Scott, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So look, there's a lot to talk about with this game. Obviously, you and I mm-hmm. have already logged about 30 hours of discussion about this <laughs> yeah, game. <laughs> yeah, like we've, we've already talked about it at length, but I, you know, um, the, you know, us discussing whether or not it lived up to the hype, I would just, you know, short answer, yes, it did. Absolutely. Well, well let's, let's see if we could build in, like, I'm not sure everyone understands the, uh, the weight of that hype. Because mm. this was like... You know how there are a lot of games people want remade now that have been mm-hmm. out for a long time. They're like, oh, what if they me, remade this? It's like, me it included. Took, exactly. <laughs> it took maybe two years for people to go, oh, they should remake Final Fantasy VII. Like, I feel like once Final Fantasy X dropped on the PS2 and people mm. saw those like 3D renders and graphics, like, oh, immediately yeah, could, people's heads yeah. went to, so when are they going to remake Final Fantasy VII? Yeah, that well, that and voice acting as well i feel like the introduction of voice acting to final fantasy games or you know i mean they've been in games i guess up before that but you know for final fantasy games specifically i feel like that was another like oh yeah that'd be cool that i want to know what these characters sound like other outside of uh advent children i guess would have been the only way that we've seen that before yeah but that didn't happen until i think what 2006 that movie came out that oh yeah that was so yeah that was even Okay, yeah, that, that's, that, was way, that was way after the fact. Yeah, I'm going to double check on that now. I think, yeah, I want to say it was 2005. 2005, it dropped in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I yeah. watched it on a UMD, on a PSP. That's, that's all I remember. <laughs> that's look, a nice little time capsule. 
This is also something Square Enix has been pretty open about that they were always going to do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, we're old enough to remember when they dropped mm-hmm. that 2003, not 2003, oh. that PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3, yeah. They did the opening thing. shot and they rendered it in PS3 graphics. And so everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, so we're doing this. Oh, so, oh, they're hitting the button. They're yeah. breaking the glass. You know, I always imagined it as they literally had like a, a thing mounted on the wall said in case of emergency break, break glass. glass and behind the glass is a just a sheet of paper that says final fantasy 7 remake on <laughs> it. everybody signed off on it yeah. <laughs> like hey guys if uh, if we start getting into too many you know 13s we'll make we'll, we'll remake yeah we'll, we'll remake seven, seven. just to, just to <laughs> remind everyone we're still out here um uh, it's look, a case it of was, stagnation exactly but look, this was a really highly anticipated game that spanned mm. almost two decades of people yeah. waiting. You know what I'm saying? Close to Multiple it. generations of Multiple fans. gens, console generations. Like, this is just something that was always anticipated, mm-hmm. and it finally fell on our lap. And I think there are two things that are important to remember when judging whether or not it lived up to the hype. One, mm-hmm. this is just an appetizer for the main course. That, oh, that yes. is important to remember. For, yeah, and for people who, I mean, I'm assuming if you have listened, if, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably have played the game. I'm assuming. Yeah, or at least are aware of it. Aware of it. So yeah, yeah. this is like, this. so Final Fantasy VII Remake is not the entire game remade in this one go. And, uh, you know, certain things happen that, you know, that was probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was probably that we needed a little bit of break between, you know, yeah. between these parts in order to actually kind of fully wrap our heads around certain things. And to fully flesh you know? them out too, right? Like to flesh mm-hmm. them out further to build more depth. And I think the yeah. second thing that's worth uh, noting in the context mm-hmm. of whether or not it lived up to the hype is that, you know, I'll, I'll go out just like you just did and say, I do believe it lived up to the hype. But that's oh, here. Yeah. That's here today, October 24th, 2020. At the end of the day, the legacy of this game, at least this first installment, will be dictated by its sequels. Oh, yeah. In I order mean, we, for... could, we, could, we could look back on this, you know, two years from now and be like, man, we were so stupid for believing that they had any idea what they knew what they were doing, you know? But Exa- they... Uh, exactly. I think the, by the... Judging from what I've seen from this game and how much love and care has been put into every little tiny detail um i'm way more like my 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 hopes are high and my you know i'm tr- i'm keeping them my expectations like in check mm-hmm. but i think judging they're not fucking this up you know and even yeah. when people when people are saying oh why does final fantasy 16 look like trash compared <laughs> to final fantasy 7 remake i'm like that they're putting all their they're betting all their chips on ff7 remake and i think it's gonna pay off i hope it does i think i think it will too i think you know you have to remember why we all wanted this remake we wanted to see Mm -hmm. at least for me right i -hmm. wanted to see these characters interact in a more human way i wanted to see i wanted to see the emotion fleshed out as opposed to me Mm -hmm. having to read a visual novel and look not again (laughs) Have the characters sit there, you know, motionless, or go, you know, moving their block arms up and down. Exactly. You know? And look, let's make something very clear. When we compare 
you know, the hard, the technological differences between games, we are not mm. insulting the original. I don't know about no, you. It's one of all. my top 10 favorite games of all time. I love mm-hmm. and adore it, and nothing will take that experience away from me. It still holds up, too. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it's dated when you go back and play it as obviously dated, but I could still go back and be like, oh, yeah. You know, maybe, and I don't know if that's nostalgia or whatever, but I can go back and be like, I appreciate this still. Exactly. You know, the the remake changes some things around and does some things, and it doesn't take away from, you know, mm-hmm. the other stuff in either the original or in Crisis Core. It's still, those games are still going to be enjoyable to me. Yeah, you know, there's exactly find this value in that, you know? Nothing about remake invalidates the original or the compilation material. No, um, unless, unless you're stupid. <laughs> like i'm just straight, straight no no I'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding but no like i because i i've seen people that are like you know it, it's not even just with this but things and you know if anything gets remade it's like oh or a sequel comes out or something and it's like oh it ruins everything you know it ruins the entirety of the thing for me and it's like well i don't know that just doesn't make sense to me it's like i can still enjoy something even if there's one part of it that I don't like, you know? But Yeah, and actually that's the thing. I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the things that I loved the most about this, and if you don't think this was my original opinion, you can go tune into the Midgar Minute. I think it's like episode three. Um, I wanted this to be its own thing because the comp, mm-hmm. like, it's like, my experience with the original and compilation material is its own standalone experience that, again, nothing can compromise. I love the fact that seven remake isn't just, Hey, let's put a fresh coat of paint on the same thing that happened in the original. They said, no, there a lot is going to stay the same, but we're going to deviate and be our own thing. And And, boy, did they do that. And boy, (laughs) did they do that. And to me, that's great. Cause I feel like that actually makes the original stronger. You know what I mean? Because think about it. You want to go back. It makes you want to go back again. You, you, it, it, remains its own unique experience if you kept Mm -hmm. the storyline and everything the exact same way well then Mm -hmm. you would just play seven remake for the rest of your life you would never go back and play og but the way they're building out seven remake i'll be able to play whatever however many titles this spans across i'll be able to play all of these then go back and play the originals and in Mm -hmm. a way had two unique experiences that don't invalidate each other in any way no, and I think honestly, I, I hope hopefully what I'm hoping is that they're they're going to complement each other in a way that's like you know something where you could like you could go look at the original and be like oh this is you know where they got inspiration for this or you know things deviated here and like you if if things end up going in a way where they seriously deviate then it's like oh you can go back and be like oh this is the one timeline or whatever this is the other timeline or whatever you know it's yeah like however they choose to deviate from it there's so there's so much um there's so much potential there i mean there obviously there's a lot of potential for it to get a little too you know fantastical and weird but i i don't know i think like i said i think they're I'm not worried about that because they they know how serious it is like you know, people will, you know, make jokes about Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that and how that got that franchise got a little too wacky and out there. But it was already out there and wacky to begin with. And I think what a lot of people underestimate 
is that Kingdom mm. Hearts get its wackiness is inspired by the wackiness from the original. That's why the mm-hmm. FF7 characters are in Kingdom Hearts in the first place is the yeah. wacky. Cause like people don't, I feel like some people don't give credit for how wacky the original actually got between Cloud's visions oh. and like Sephiroth oh, yeah. morphing to Tifa at certain points and like yeah. spanning uh, and- between different existences and flowing through the live stream. Like the original got <laughs> wacky as fuck. Yeah, and then, but everyone everyone just remembers, you know, polygons the grounded on stuff. the screen. They just remember yeah. the grounded stuff, you know? Yeah, they don't yeah, they don't remember all the weird the weird and wacky stuff. <laughs> all the really but, weird you know, shit. Really, it's just I'm, I feel confident just because they know like this is their like this is the the core of Square Enix. You know, for, <laughs> for real. For better for or real. worse. I feel like it's, you know, it's the game that kind of really put them on the map. At least in terms of, you know, the West. At least in the West. World. Yeah. But you look, know, I want uh, to um I want to get into sure. so here we are. We're saying it lived up to the hype. It's time for us to start mm. talking about why. Mm. What about this remake was the most special to you? Like what what did they do right by that hit you the best? Hmm, that's a good question, actually, because uh, there are a lot of things that. Uh, the short answer is a lot, but what what yeah, you the short stands above the rest? Um, the I really honestly the thing that really got me was the uh, performances by the cast. Absolutely, and, you know the vo- the voice Absolutely. actors, all of them did a fantastic job. There's not a single bad voice actor in this game, which is a crazy thing to say, but is definitely at least in my case it's true um yeah just the 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 way that they're able to deliver all these emotional moments and non-emotional moments like there's a lot of comedy in this game that they oh yeah (laughs) that everyone does very well um you know i i think it's that was really for me because you know obviously you know there's like the combat which is also a great huge upgrade that it was like the best handling a company-wide upgrade i think Yes, yes, because like, I think moving forward, I think that's what things are going to be. You know, judging by FF16, where they're literally hiring Devil May Cry combat designers to come and <laughs> uh, do their combat, which I think is great. I want I think more, that's amazing. You know, people are like, oh, it's not turn-based. Like, I mean, turn-based is fine. I just think that nowadays, I think action RPGs are more... It's just, it's more visceral. It's more, you know, direct. It's more engaging. Right. And it's like, even like going back and playing the original FF7, it's like, you know, using the ATB system. Eh, it's not the greatest. Well, you know, it, let me punch in real quick. That's one of the things yeah. I think that makes the seven remake combat so unique is that mm-hmm. it is action RPG combat with like turn-based sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah, mean? So Where you're giving commands to, to your outside they, fighters. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's so clever can, yeah and it's and it's really and it's super satisfying as well because you can get um you know you could set things up between all your your other party members and you could like set up these crazy combos and i'm like there there's something here you know because like when oh, you yeah. think of like ff15 it's like they were kind of going down this road a little bit they just didn't with, figure it out yet yeah just, it was just know? like it they were just starting to go down that like all right let's maybe go a little bit more towards action and then with seven remake they went a little bit further and now i think with ff16 they're probably going to be going and from probably from there forward is going to be way more focused 
on that kind of stuff, which I think is great. I think you know? I really think we're better off that way. I, I yeah. really do. Um, it's not to say that t- there isn't a place for turn-based in this world. There, uh, there no, obviously no, is. No, absolutely not. Um, but I think when you look at what Square Enix is doing right combat-wise, mm-hmm. let's just say I think the combat for 7 Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 is better than Dragon Quest Eleven. You know what I'm saying? I think, yeah. I think there's more to those combat systems than that. I think this is... There's nothing wrong with change. I mean, and honestly, I, I think it really it ultimately comes down to personal preference. Yeah. Because I know, I know people that are like, you know, they really like the, you know, Xenoblades kind of like, oh, you, fire just go emblems. Here, you go over here and like, you know, your character just does stuff and you don't really put in anything except for, you know, specific skills or something. Like the, the, the MMO approach of like, yes. you just like, you're, you hit a button and they just do the thing, right? You're not sitting there mashing a button or putting in inputs, you know, putting quarter circles in. And I guess Um, I don't don't want to invalidate anybody who prefers turn-based systems, but when you think about the legacy of Square Enix, and this builds into the original FF7, they've always had a reputation for being at the forefront. What's up? (laughs) I was going to say there's going to be 30 plus years of turn-based. Yeah games i think we could maybe give uh give, action. give some action rpg a try yeah. but i guess what i'm trying to say is square enix has built the reputation of being at the forefront of jrpgs their games mm-hmm. setting the standard and look I mean, it's not to say you can't build a great combat system that's turn-based but when you mm-hmm. look at what's gonna push video game combat forward it's 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 definitely more along the lines of the action RPG styles you're seeing in your Final Fantasy VII remakes, in your Devil May Cry fives. You know that's the kind of stuff that's going to push the genre borns. forward. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think maybe I feel like you know people are especially like in in an action genre. I mean, it, with Devil May Cry five coming out, like definitely kind of swayed things a little bit. But I feel like. For a long time, it was based, everyone was all about the Dark Souls and the Bloodborne and like that yeah. style of combat. And like that's, you know, it's, it's fine for that, for those games. And it's like very slow and deliberate. And I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. But when you're playing a fucking, uh, an anime, you know, lack of a better term, <laughs> anime game, you want to be up there. You want to be up doing crazy, jumping all over the place. You oh, know, yeah. you don't want to. You know, you don't want something to be, you know, you know, I mean, I guess depending on maybe certain characters or something maybe, but you know, the, I think it's fun. Like playing as Tifa in a remake is super fun because she flies all over the place and does yeah. all this crazy stuff, you know? And like, Dude. that is just super fun to me. And I was just going to say, I think one of the beauties, and I hope they keep doing this. I hope this is mm-hmm. something they remember that they did right in the first installment that they keep doing in later installments. Dude, mm-hmm. psych- the best part of this is cycling between fighters is the push of a button mm-hmm. and every fighter makes you feel like you're playing a different game. Cloud yep. feels like a hack and slash. Barrett feels like a shooter. Tifa feels like a beat-em-up. And then you got Aerith who's like a long-distance mage. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like every single fighter is its They're own... They're super distinct and very, you know... There's but, not a they... lot of overlap. Yeah, and they all mesh together very well too. Yes. Know? Like they all... You know, there are certain uh, there are certain uh, fights in that game where it's like, oh, this just feels great. Like there's a great synergy between yes. all the people. And then, like I was saying before, like when you can start lining stuff up, you know, one after another with each character, it makes it super fun. You know, it makes it and really it, fun. It keeps it fresh. 
it makes me hopeful for the future when we get, you know, cr uh, people like Red and uh, Yuffie and, and Vincent and all these other weird characters that we'll get later on, like having them incorporated in and, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see. And what I think what they have going, I was going to say, I think what they have going for themselves is like Red 13 is obviously going to fight very unique to everyone else. Mm. He's a lab yeah. rat dog. You know, so, so he's yeah. gonna he's gonna feel very different. Yuffie is a ninja. There's a lot you could do with that. Thing mm -hmm. is, Vincent is where there might have some overlap. They have to do a pretty like diligent they, they, job to make him feel different than Cloud. They could just make make Vincent Dante. That's kind of <laughs> what he is, or make him Nero from. You know what I mean? It's like I, could, I wouldn't mind. I really wouldn't mind. I think that'd be fine. I I would be. I'd be cool with that i mean well he vincent i mean he really has he just has like the gun right and you know he could do some stuff you could do some kind of sword too you know eh, he, i feel like by the time we get to vincent i feel like I, yeah i think we'll be all right there'll be a we'll thing be right. or or we get a dirge of cerberus remake and that's how they handle it and they're just like oh well okay uh well, that'd be weird but i want to i want to go more into the characters because i do believe mm -hmm. like I, I, I'll go out on a limb and say, I think the combat is the strongest thing about this game. I don't think that invalidates mm. the rest of it. But when I think no. about what makes my heart happy, it's these character interactions and the way they mm. fleshed out these characters. I think this is the best incarnation we've seen of Cloud, a character I feel like mm -hmm. they struggled to really find a, a good voice for. Time. Yeah, for mm. a long time. And I feel like they finally really nailed this character in a way they hadn't before. But I want to mm. ask you, who is your favorite character from Seven Remake? Who was your most enjoyable character? That, that is a really tough question. It's a loaded question. <laughs> it's a really tough. I mean, my heart says Barrett, but my heart also says Tifa as well. But then also Aerith is great. <laughs> like, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard, dude, to pick like one um, because they all, they're, the arcs that all these characters go on is so intriguing and compelling and that you could feel like all the little nuances in their characters you know in their voices from just these little little tiny things that you could pick up mm -hmm. it's uh, but i i mean i i gotta go with barrett man i have to i can't like <laughs> <laughs> well to uh, uncover it pull pull the curtain back why barrett because he is like i feel like he is <laughs> like a little he's a little bit of everything and you know he he's he's you know serious he's wacky goofy over the top and i feel like he has kind of like the biggest arc i think overall he got, he got the most i think his arc got actually very subtly got the most focus in seven remake yeah yeah and i feel like yeah he got um you know he just the, the, the everything everything about him like there's never you know there's nothing really negative to say about any of these characters but him in particular you know maybe next to i mean cloud uh, cloud goes through he has an arc but i feel like it, barrett's is a lot more wide you know what i mean it's like well, with cloud there's a lot of context we're missing right there's you right. know but with barrett barrett is very um like on his sleeve, hard on his sleeve right. kind of guy. We know what's going on with him. We know what's in his head. We know what matters to him. Like, he is probably the only straightforward character, actually, <laughs> in the entire story because that's you have, a good point. Think about it. you have Cloud, who is obviously keeping things from us. Tifa, who's clearly also keeping things from us. Aerith, who is definitely most assuredly keeping things from us. 
And, you know, I mean, Red kind of just shows up at the end, so he doesn't really count. But, you know. <laughs> well, he hasn't I, even I mean, told Red, us his name yet. So he's yeah, keeping like, shit from us, too. Right. And he all he does is just say jokes. And that's all he <laughs> does. In, in terms of the, the first remake game, that's all Red does is he just tells jokes. Pretty right? much. And well, because you find out later that he's, he's a, a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he has this and, deep voice and he's so distinguished. You think he's like this old, wise creature, but he's like, I think he's what, 14 years old? He's like a teenager. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think something, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the original, yeah. I, don't want, I wonder if they're going to change that. I hope I mean, not. I, I, I hope Bugenhagen's still his dad. I hope that's still like, I don't, a thing. Well, dad, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't see them, I don't see a reason for them to change it, I guess, but. Yeah, um, well, Aerith calls him a child. Like, she does say this child mm-hmm. is a friend, so. Maybe yeah. she has a way of recognizing, hey, he's he's a kid. Aerith, I feel like uh, towards the end of Remake Man, Aerith just, it, it be like, a, she's a different person. I feel like she literally, be, she's like, oh. She takes the I mask know, off. I know what I have to be now. And yeah. so I will be this like, you know, ethereal, like very, you know, oh, I'm going to speak in all these like really she's... like vague platitudes and you know, be like, ah, yes, the future is yet unwritten, you know, and saying all these, like, She's weird... always a blank page. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I wanted to say... It, sure. When I, for, after my first playthrough, I think, like, Barrett was definitely my favorite after my first playthrough, because mm-hmm. one thing I will say, you know, cards on my table face up, the one scene in this game that made me cry was sort of the goodbye scene between him and Marlene. Like, mm. it's not very often... I'll tear up at a video game, but like that really, that really did I mean, get me. And like Marlene, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they hired like some Pixar people or something, but <laughs> yeah, for real, they like Marlene is like the cutest fucking thing. Oh, in they, the, like she's adorable. I get, oh man, and it's just one of those things. Like I'm always a sucker for, you know, since Barrett's obviously like you know, he, well, a single dad kind of like you know, lone wolf and the cub type of yes. thing, even though it's not, that it's not that exact. Yeah. It's not a, the exact same situation, but you know, it's like why I like the Mandalorian so much. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like same that, motif, you know, protecting, you know, protecting a little kid and, you know, Barrett's out doing his righteous crusade or whatever, you know, I think, uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, Barrett will, it, yeah. Barrett's definitely my favorite <laughs> in yeah. this one now, but you know, as much say- as I love everyone else. I will say after future playthroughs, I have to kind of, I have to pick Aerith because she's the most interesting. The, she's like, playing the long game. Exactly. And I was just mm-hmm. going to say, mo- doing multiple playthroughs, Aerith becomes more and more fun to watch because when you see what happens mm-hmm. at the end. You get all those little nuances and those little, you know. Little nuggets like, of hmm. information. Whereas like with Barrett, and this is to the character's credit, by the way, there's kind of none of that. You know exactly no, who Barrett is on the first playthrough. <laughs> yeah, he, you know what he's about pretty much yeah. right from the get-go. Yeah. But Aerith and kind he, of builds some more yeah. stuff in. And I think um, – Brianna White is the voice actress. She oh, nailed yep. this character in a way nobody in any of these incarnations, be it Advent Children or Kingdom Hearts, was able to before. Yeah, she. I, I don't know what it is, man. Because um, she she has a YouTube channel, by the way, uh, Strange Rebel Gaming. I think yes. I believe it's called. Good plug. Um, solid plug. <laughs> solid plug. <laughs> um, I don't know. She just like she has like this like heaven heavenly can, aura around her. Can I tell her. you what I think it is? What? I think every time someone's voiced Aerith, they only took the direction of the whole, like the holy woman 
quote unquote. Mm. Whereas she she was able to personify that, but she also captured Aerith's silly side, her yeah, childish the, side, her the snarky, the yeah, playful, the snarky side. Yeah. Where everyone, every other, everyone else who's taken on that role kind of doesn't have oh. that. Yeah, exactly. I'm Aerith. Yeah, exactly. I sell flowers. Yeah. Down by the church. Whereas she, whereas she was more fun, you know? Mm-hmm. She, she, oh, was, yeah. she made the character very fun to she be around. She had way, yeah, way more fun. Yeah, and then, you know, and when the gears shifted, she could also hold that up as well, you know? Exactly. And it felt more real because, you know, it's a very obvious, deliberate, and noticeable change with mm-hmm. Aerith in the end game. Mm-hmm. Once we yep. get to her room in Shinra, she takes a very obvious turn and starts to kind of open up about what's going on. And it makes me wonder, how open is she going to be from here on out? I Because it feels like, obviously, depending on, you know, we, we've, we've discussed some theories on, on the Midgar Minute before. Um, but I think it's probably going to be what you know on a need to know basis that's what i would assume because i don't think she's just gonna flat out like unless unless shit gets really bad or something crazy happens she's not gonna just be like all right guys i you know this is the deal i'm gonna get stabbed one day so i gotta tell you all these things (laughs) you know i gotta you know we should uh you know maybe we should you know discuss some sort of plan but i i think depending on which direction they go in Honestly, I think that she's probably going to play it close to the chest. I think unless she, I, um, unless one of the characters is straight up like, "Hey, Aerith, what the fuck?" Prob- <laughs> you, probably you going like to be Tifa. You know, probably going to be Tifa. By the way, because Tifa's already like, kind of had enough. She's like, "What are you not yeah. telling us?" She said that like three she's times in the remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and, I hope. You know, I Tifa, hope they go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say Tifa. Um, you know, obviously, she's uh, she's a great character. I feel like we're not going to see until we go back to Nibelheim. We're not going to see her like fully. Cause I feel like this entire game, it was just like her struggling over with one thing. And that's like being, you know, serious about, I guess, fighting against Shinra. She's stuck in between yeah. everything. She's stuck in between fighting Shinra. She's stuck in between telling cloud everything. She's stu- like, and- she's just, and I think Andrea Rodea, small detail, small line, brings this up mm. when, he, when he meets her in the gym. He's like, oh, you, you're very fit, but your muscles look very tight. You're obviously very conflicted. Mm. You know, it's just like that's, she's just stuck in between two different yeah. worlds. She's, she's denying her true strength <laughs> yeah. by, uh, by being so indecisive. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of a shame because Tifa's like a really good character in the grand like in the original like she's a she has a great arc that she goes through mm-hmm. and it just kind of it kind of is you know unfortunate that at least in this part is that she really doesn't really get a lot of play you know like yeah, she, she's one of the characters you know, that grew the least like i think of the main four tifa probably had the least amount of growth but that's because mm-hmm. a lot of her stuff is connected to nibelheim yeah it's like and that's really game. where her arc takes off mm-hmm. yeah and it's like we see obviously we see little bits and pieces throughout the game but it's never you know it's yeah. never explicitly talked about you know and it's it, i love how it's just it's one of those things where they're just kind of like dangling it over and it's like oh hmm, yeah well, the nibbleheim incident yeah yeah well <laughs> i'll say the thing this is when i kind of knew a they were going to do things a little different and b that i was all in 
is when mm. uh, in chapter three, when Cloud, when Tifa stops Cloud from killing Johnny, and then she mm. just says, "Cloud, you're scaring me," and I'm like, "Good." One of the best, the Let's best start- line. Not only one of the best lines, but one of the best line reads in the game. For real. Like it literally sent like a shiver down my spine. I'm like, oh. Me too, because like Like you and I, we know where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, and also I don't want to make Tifa upset. Yeah, nobody does, man. Nobody Nobody wants to make Tifa upset. (laughs) At the heart of it all, I didn't want to make Tifa upset. (laughs) So, you know, we've talked about this at great length on the podcast. But mm-hmm. let's uh, – where do you want to see Final Fantasy VII Remake improve? Well, I mean, really, I, I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to think because I know I've said before um, – Let's get the hot take out of the way and say aerial combat. We all know that one. Well, yeah, there are definitely some fixes to the combat that need to be made. Um, I don't, aside from that, I mean, as long as they give me more of what they've already given me, I'm good to go, really. <laughs> I'm trying, because I'm trying to think, I'm like, I'm trying to think of stuff that needs to be improved. Here, here's what I'll say, because I'm not sure, and you let me know what you think. I'm not sure if mm. I'm projecting this or not, but this is okay. kind of what I hope they're going for. So obviously this first game was very linear. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It was a very linear. Uh, you game. want it to be a little bit more open, right? Yeah, and I think that was the point, right? Because you know the crux of this game, we're glued to fate. We're we're stuck. Mm-hmm. We're stuck in the you know the arbiters of fate keep us in one one flow. Mm-hmm. We're stuck in one. We're boxed in, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of mm-hmm. like that the game felt that way. That because we were locked into fate, the game was very linear, and we were kind of stuck. I think it would make this plot point a million times stronger if now that we've severed ourselves off from fate, the world is now open. You know, you don't mm. feel... Because there's a lot of times where the games say... Like, a great example of this is when you're on the rooftops with Aerith. You can't mm. run. You're stuck walking. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are moments Very like that... Very much a the, guided experience, yeah. Yeah, the game kind of glues you. I mm. want none of that in the next game i like because i feel like that's a game that's how a gameplay mechanic can help tell the story is in that first game you're tied to fate so the game almost gives you this guided experience whereas Mm. in the next game it's like hey now that you've severed that off gaia now we can right i mean i I could totally see that i could see them especially you know uh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense of them why they the first game was exclusively in midgar Yes. And now moving forward. And eventually, you know, in the original, there's an open world that opens up, um, you know, when you get the airship and stuff like that. But yeah, I could see them because they kind of at the end of remake, there's kind of, you know, when you have full like free reign to go over all of Midgar that you're able to explore. Mm-hmm. It feels like maybe they were burgeoning on something like that of like yeah. in the next game that there's going to be like hub worlds and that you'll go in between the hub worlds and you know you can fast travel and whatever i don't i maybe you know when we get the airship and stuff then that'll be like maybe it's like full, full open blown worlds. yeah we've reached peak open worlds um and maybe that'll be like you know in the third part or however they I, i'm assuming that this game is going to be split up into three parts i'm just that's gonna, what my gut's telling me i think it's four at most yeah because anything more because like I could see them doing three main 
and then maybe doing some like sub games or like DLC or something. If they crisis core remake shit like that. Right. Like, which I feel like they could totally do and get away with. And I mean, I would, if, if, dude, if I could get a crisis core with this new engine and with the new combat. Yes. Even though, you know, people, you know, maybe they keep the, um, what's it called? The DM, DMW system with like the roulette stuff spinning in the original crisis core, which I love the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was like kind of just partially just random. Yeah. Um, I still, I still love that. It was like weird and unique for like a, that was back when they were still trying to like come up with new ways to do like active combat a little bit, Mm -hmm. I guess. And, you know, I think that was a pretty interesting uh, system that they had. And I'm, I would love to see that come back in some way. Well, that's what I'm saying. I hope it's in many ways, the future of Square Enix. I think the combat system they developed here in seven remake, this is the, this is the best gameplay mechanic they've done in ages man like 15 would have hit different if this was the combat we had oh dude if you could do like you know if you do have like slow down and you know you do all the command prompts instead of just having cinematics with prompto and gladio and ignis actually switching to prompto gladius and ignis gladio yeah (laughs) gladius um (laughs) reading it like a textbook Uh, white guy uh glad gladiolus gladios uh yeah i mean yeah ff15 man that was a real bummer i mean now i'm sure if if you picked it up now i'm sure it's a fantastic i mean it's still a all right game it was a good game i enjoyed it the ability to switch between everybody which you could not do up until all the DLC for those characters came out, yep. um, which was like a year or so after the game came out, which is like kind of crazy. But, you know, I think moving forward, I'm really curious to see what FF16's combat like really is going to be like. Because I feel like depending on how that is, I think it's going to inform how Remake Part 2's combat will feel like. I think I it'll think- bear some influence, yeah. Because I feel like this has been a progression. If you look at, like we were saying before, like from 15 to 7 Remake Part 1 and I guess 16 and then whatever. You know, even though technically they're made by two different teams, I feel like... Yeah, but they definitely borrow from each other. Yeah, I feel like, you know, they might just be like, hey, you know, we'll pay you twice <laughs> if you, <laughs> you want to help us with the uh, Remake Part 2's combat as well. You know, so I, I'd be more than interested to see that moving yeah. forward me too because again you know i can't say it enough like they're really on to something here if they can keep mm-hmm. building on top of this system they built we could have combat beyond our imagination like i did i couldn't mm-hmm. imagine this is some of the things i think is cool is like go back to 1997 when this game first came out you couldn't imagine no. that a combat system like this would ever exist no. Is that so, that's before like what were action games at that point like Legend of Zelda Crash was Bandicoot? probably the best you had <laughs> like, yeah like yeah, Crash like, Bandicoot Ocarina of Legend Time. of Zelda yeah I mean yeah. and it's like I mean maybe you could think of like oh maybe there's like a Zelda game that is a Final Fantasy game but at the same time it's like you know it wasn't until I think I think it's just the limitations now that we have mm-hmm. like virtually no limitations in terms of technology and stuff. At least compared think, to 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I mean, there's definitely more room to, to grow. But I think, you know, with, with everything that we have now currently, 
we can make, you know, we can make the best possible version, I think, of FF7 remake, whatever, you know, that we could now, that we ever could before. And I think know? that's what we're doing here. There's one criticism about, or not one, but like, here's a criticism some people had about the story that I could level with is mm. there was a particular scene that was taken out that was a very profound and powerful scene in the original. And that's when um, you're captured by Shinra and you follow the trail of blood and you find the president mm. was like killed in cold blood by Sephiroth. And that's when mm. you're like, fuck, this Sephiroth guy's a real bad motherfucker. And you know, <laughs> that's a scene that's not in the remake. And a lot of people were upset about that. And here's the thing, I get it. But mm. do you know what scene I actually prefer? And maybe I'll get some slack for this. Barrett's showdown with the president. Because I think that did so much for Barrett's character. Mm -hmm. Like, I keep coming back to this, but it's like, you know, the line where the president is like, that's all you want? Your name's to be cleared? And then he starts <laughs> going on that rant about like, well, mm -hmm. how are you going to handle when there's a natural disaster? Who's, who's going to take <laughs> care of the people? Will the people you're trying to rescue, will they, mm -hmm. will they thank you for the world you've given them without <laughs> Shinra? Like, and mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, obviously, you know, agree it's a with it's a It's a philosophy battle, you know? Yes. I and love like, that. Exactly. I would love Barrett that way more that. than, yeah, way more than him getting like stabbed off screen or something. Exactly. You know? I think we needed to learn about President Shinra because I think that's going to build into Rufus. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. we, we saw who the president was and he's really just like a sociopath who wants something and he gets it. Very narrow-minded. I think yeah. Rufus is the same way to the point that Rufus mm. does not give two shits that his father is dead. So it's like, no. I think this not only builds context. He's probably happy, actually. He's probably even he's happier now. Thrilled. He's thrilled. <laughs> like, oh, I get all the power now? Okay, cool. Dude, he was smiling when he came off the copter, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's scenes like that. It's like, yeah, we, we gave up this scene, but in return, we have scenes like this. And that's not the only one. There's a bunch no. of scenes that build more context into people's character. You know, just like we brought up before, the cloud, you're scaring me. It's like, yeah, I mean, a couple scenes were lost, but we, got, we gained a lot more in terms of that kind of shit. Say, so here's the thing is that, you know, considering that they're, obviously they're breaking this up into parts, they had to make some concessions. Like with yeah. Sephiroth, at this point in the original, we don't know really who Sephiroth is. We've heard about him. We haven't really seen him. But, you know, obviously now everyone knows who Sephiroth is, like in the Chapter real world. Two. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we need, to, we need to start setting him up from the get-go. He get -go needs to be established. Because he's the big bad. And it's like, you can't, you can't subtly bring him up and then wait two years or whatever, however long <laughs> it is till the next part to be like, huh, who is that random guy that like I saw a flash of once? It's like, no, we need, we need to establish much like how they took some liberties with Hojo as well in this game. Where Which like you I don't, loved. You don't learn about Hojo shit in the original till like way later on in the game. And then right from the get go, they're like, oh no, he's like a crazy evil motherfucker who wants to do some crazy shit. Well, dude, you know, we brought this up on our last episode just you know another example of a scene that we gained that builds so much more into these characters that mm -hmm. scene with Aerith when she's in the capsule and then there's hojo who's bringing up her dead mother like would you like to see her through the lens of one of my microscopes <laughs> and as beautiful in death as in life, like it just yeah. all of that all and, of that and another thing I too for. i think that um in the next part we might not see Hojo, we might we not, not see get Sephiroth. Of you know, we might not see Sephiroth until we see him, or we, I, we'll probably go to the back to the Nibelheim 
incident and all that we'll stuff. Get we'll see flashbacks. him there. Yeah. But we he won't be is as active in the story, I feel like, because the way that he, you kind of last see, well, you last see him in the edge of creation or whatever, but you know, in terms of the actual story, the last time you see him, he's, you know, falling off a Shinner Tower. And it kind of, it gives that feeling of like, I'm not going to see you for a while. Okay. <laughs> I think know? what we'll see, I think what we'll see is, um, like, the, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think the physical mm-hmm. Sephiroth we're going to see in the next game. Yeah. I think what we're going to see him in his flashbacks. I think we're mm-hmm. going to see him in his, those cloud moments of yeah, clarity. Yeah, little... Yeah, his cloud, his his you know his psychic, uh, his panic attacks, which is <laughs> funny because I think that's actually gonna. Time. I think it's almost gonna like pull the reverse effect where like in the first one, you know, you saw the trail of blood and the sword through the president. So Sephiroth became this like lingering threat, almost this like ghostly figure that mm-hmm. was just like, again, just lingering over your head, and it's like mm-hmm. they're almost gonna pull a swap where it's like, okay, introduce him right away, put him at the forefront. And maybe what you're saying in the second game, where is he? He's a we'll lingering more... threat. Also, I, I, I just had a thought right now. I wonder for the people who played this, who've never played the original Final Fantasy VII and know nothing about any of that stuff, this is probably really good for them. That's, yeah. probably, how, that's probably why they chose to do it this way because for all the new people, you introduce this Sephiroth guy who everyone, well, Cloud obviously has a history with, and then you you see that Tifa also has a history with him. Yes. That she doesn't, she brings up in that flashback and that's it. And you're like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And then we won't see him until we see the Nibelheim incident. And we're like, oh, that's why he's. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. It's all, all right. coming together. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you know, it, it's weird because you can't really account for a lot of things because Sephiroth is like one of those characters that, you know pierce the 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 zeitgeist and is like every like i feel like if you don't know final fantasy you probably know the the guy with the long gray hair and the giant sword you know that you they probably have seen him you know mm-hmm. kind of like cloud i feel well, like he's people a pop know, culture oh. icon let's be let's be honest right right i feel like when people think of final fantasy they probably think of cloud or sephiroth maybe they think of waka i think of waka but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whenever i hear the words final fantasy i Oh, automatically think of Waka. All right. I want to give you your piece because we've got a, we got a little less than 15 minutes left here. Mm-hmm. So you're a big music guy. So I, yeah. I want to give you an adequate amount of time to reflect on the soundtrack. Because we're going to talk about did FF7 live up to the hype? The soundtrack is part of it. That original yeah. soundtrack is huge. How it does is, the remake soundtrack live up? Um, I think it's great. Uh, I don't really think that there's really... Uh, uh, I feel like they're they kind of went overboard, which I would prefer them to go overboard than underboard. Um, that there's literally, you know, aside from remaking uh, classic songs from there, they make some new ones and some some songs they remix up to a crazy extent where you don't even recognize that they're the same song anymore. But um, for all the new the new arrangements and stuff are great. Um, I they they have a piece of music for literally every single moment in this game, which is kind of crazy. Real which is you know you don't really see that but you know again this is this is this is they're pulling out all the stops this is final fantasy 7 you know they're go, they're gonna go you know they're especially go considering ham. considering that we've been hearing remixes to final fantasy 7 music for you know as long as three the, years yeah and we've you know we've heard distant worlds we've heard you know all these other 
you know, remixes of stuff. So it's interesting that they can still, you know, have a new game come out and it still sounds fresh. And I, like I said, then we, when we did our episode on it, um, there's really, I'm, I struggle to think of a song that didn't, or a piece of music that I was like, Oh, this really is taking me out of it right now or something, you know, it's everything always felt like it was, Oh, this is, this makes sense that this is playing here or, you know, all, like I said, all the new stuff that they do, like, Oh yeah. Like Rufus, you know, when you fight Rufus and they incorporating the Shinra theme and the Turks theme. And it's like, it just like, Oh, of course, like, of course it would be, you know? And the 20,000 different versions of the battle theme are all great and, you know, good in their own way. And, you know, I think they knocked it out of the park, honestly. I'd have to agree with you because it's nine hours of pure bliss. I think the full yeah. soundtrack amounts to oh, nine yeah. hours. And, like, that's just the first one. How long and is the series soundtrack going to be? I was going to say the official soundtrack doesn't actually have every, every track that's in the game in there which is, I was a little disappointing in some instances, but overall, you know, if you're, if anyone out there who is, who listens to soundtracks, it's a pain that you're very familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I, as being like a kid or something and be like, oh, I hear like a, a song in like a movie soundtrack or something. And I go buy the soundtrack and like, oh, that one song that I wanted isn't in there, <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's another, that's another aspect that I feel like I was, when we did like one of our first episodes of the Midgar Minute, um, that was one of the things I was not worried about <laughs> was the music. Because I'm like, that's they, no matter, even, even if they make a bad game in the past, and they've done this, Final Fantasy thirteen, the music Hot is take. good. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> You know, you can, you can like Final Fantasy 13. That's fine. I just, I literally, you, I think I've told this to you before, but I'll tell to the audience here. When I asked a friend of mine if I should get Final Fantasy 13, he's like, yeah, yeah, it really gets good after the 60 hour mark. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, hmm. I mean, he, hmm. that's the thing. Let it be known. He's right. He's correct. But 60 he's hours correct. is 60 hours. Imagine, like, that's the thing. Like, if someone's interested about buying uh, a product or something, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't get good until you, you have used it for Until like, you've months. spent two and a half days of your life. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, it's like you watching. I mean, it's kind of like a TV show almost where it's like, yeah, it doesn't get good until the third season. But, you know, you, get, you, should, you, you, should, you shouldn't you skip over. You have nothing better to do, parts. right? <laughs> it's like, you don't. You know, if you're going to watch JoJo, don't skip parts one and two. That's a hot take. That's a hot take right there. But you totally could. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think the, the, they nailed it. Uh, I, I hope uh, Uematsu-san, I hope he does more great work for us. I, is he? I feel like he's getting up there in age. Let's find out. Nobuo Uematsu is... Although I, I wonder... Let's check it out. He was he born been... in 1959. That would make him 61. Did I, say so yeah, see, I got that right. He's getting, he's getting up there. So now, Yeah, these that, Japanese you know, motherfuckers don't die. They don't. They really don't. He's going to outlive <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, I think push comes to shove. By the time he gets to that point, you know, I'm sure Japan will have some way to 
preserve his mind or something put it in a a jar somewhere and then you know they get some impulses and then he's like oh and then he you know can send some notes he can like tap into uematsu's brain (laughs) and make uh you know one winged angel two (laughs) just it's it's one winged angel but in reverse yeah um all right winged angel (laughs) (laughs) the sequel Oh, God. Oh, man. All right. So we're getting close, but mm-hmm. I want to wrap this up by, you know, overall, give your final take on Final Fantasy VII Remake. I, I, wa- mm-hmm. I want a closing statement that includes a summary of your take on Seven Remake, mm-hmm. why you love Final Fantasy VII so much, mm-hmm. and what you're looking forward to most in part two. If you need me to repeat that at any point, I got you. Okay. All right. And and if I go a little, if I go off the rails, let me know. Yeah, I'll steer you back in. I'll steer you back. Because I do, I do do that. If you couldn't tell. Um, So yeah, I mean, I the real my impressions on the remake. I I loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, There's aside from maybe a few points (laughs) where you know we you know there's some like retreading and stuff that they do that not the most fun. But I feel like even then I still. I still had fun playing the game. There was never a point in the game where I was like, oh God, I can't wait, you know, or like, oh, I can't wait to get past this or whatever. You know, there was always, I was always having a good time. And I think really that kind of ties back into why I like the original so much is that I, I always had a blast playing that game. I mean, I didn't, I, I had not, I, when I first played it back in the day, I didn't finish it because I was like, seven years old and i was like i don't i don't understand all this crazy materia and whatever and i was just you know but i would just i would love i played the the bombing run mission a bunch of times and i think i had made it up to probably up to calm around there maybe on my own and then you know i was like ah, i'll play it later whatever and then you know years go by but uh you know i the original game is like it's iconic right it's something that is just I'll never forget the first time that I saw it, you know, saw the, the, the glow of the Mako. Right. And just Mm -hmm. like the whole, the aesthetic of the world just immediately clicked with me. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is something I can get down with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I just, the original is something that even, even like I said, to this day, I can go back to, and it's like, it's like going back home, you know, it's like something, Mm -hmm. ah, you start, you hear those old sounds and, you know, you, you see the old, uh, everyone with their mouths open, <laughs> walking around, walking around the slums. And it's like, oh yeah, this is home. Um, and uh, yeah, the, what I really want, what I really want for the second part is for it to come out soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I really want. And also for them to not drop the ball with the amazing, the amazing setup. And, you know, obviously people have had, you know, the ending of remake has been very Eh, not super divisive, but there have been people that have controversial people that have had their doubts, and I and they're definitely well placed. I think that's something that you should be scared about. But I think but I think that's term, part of the fun, right? And I think, I think that's, that's something, deliberately part of the fun. It's something that's part of the fun, and I feel like that they were they knew they yes. knew obviously that this was going to stir the pot, and I love when people stir the pot because. If this was by the if this was a by the numbers remake, it would have been fine, but also kind of boring as well. Because it's yeah. like, oh, I know what's happening, 
you know, but now that they've changed things, uh, changed things up a bit, I'm excited. And yep. it's something that like, I I might not have necessarily been as, as excited for remake part two, if it was exactly the same, you know, and if they still broke it up the same way, it's like, here's Midgar exactly how it was. And then there's going to be the rest of the game exactly how it, was. how it was. It's like, you know, I, I think I am incredibly hopeful and I cannot wait. And I hopefully, hopefully we'll hear something soon about it, but I hope so. Probably too. not, probably not for another year or so. I, I I'll probably hope hear so about too. it like six months, maybe. I, I'd agree with you. What I really want is for it to come soon, not for it to be mm. rushed, but for it to come soon. Mm -hmm. um, I think in a world where everything's being remade, in a world where everything's being rehashed, redone, fresh coats of paint, I think it's mm -hmm. refreshing that somebody stood up and said, we'll give you most of what you want, but... With a little more. We're, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to make it something else at the same time. I think mm -hmm. it's bold. I want to see more of it because while we want to see our old stories retold, we also at the same time want new stories to be told and i yeah, think if with, the go ahead i was gonna say just within a different context you know because a lot has changed since yeah. you know in the in the world since the original one and i feel like there's new you know there's new stories to tell within you know this world and yep hopefully they take that i seems like they are taking that opportunity um to um to uh, well, uh uh, to flush it out to flush it out to flush it out yes yeah. to capitalize on it that's what i was yeah, trying there to look you for. Go. i was like i was like uh but the, well, yeah, i think, sorry, it's, I think it's worth mentioning you know if you read up on the the history of the development of the original like a lot of their ideas got compromised you know yeah. yuffie and vincent were not supposed to be optional like they're supposed to be pillars of the story but they didn't get to flesh those out the way they wanted mm -hmm. to and i think this time around everything that had to be compromised has now been put back on the table. And I yeah, think that's the most exciting thing. Yeah. That, and that they're taking all of the compilation stuff, at least that, I mean, from stuff that's obscure as like so the books, like the, um, the kids Curious are all right. From, yeah. And it's like, you know, they're taking all this stuff and sort of recontextualizing it into this one narrative. That part is exciting to me too, because it's yes. going to be interesting how they're going to incorporate certain parts of all this extra stuff that they've done since the original game and sort of incorporating it into this new fabric of, uh, you know, the remake is yeah. uh, very exciting. That's, that's what I'm most excited about. Cause there's so much, there's so much of that compilation stuff that is like, kind of like, is it, is it canon? Is it not? Is it, who is it? What? Who? It's a Who mobile game knows? from flip, a flip phone game. Like, you know, <laughs> like, are we like, you know, it's the stuff that I would love to see it more contextualized within its own narrative instead of just being like, ah, it's this weird thing over here. Don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. I agree with you. Putting all of this detail under one umbrella certainly is something to be excited for, but we do mm -hmm. need to wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, my man, thank you so much for coming on reminder oh, to everybody. If you enjoyed this conversation, which I assume you did, if you made it this yeah. far, otherwise, so. <laughs> otherwise you're a sadist or masochist mm -hmm. rather, excuse me. Um, <laughs> SAT words that give me a little trouble. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to listen to the Midgar Minute so you can get more conversations like this, uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Pocket Cast, Anchor, all your favorite platforms where they're. Check us out. Again, that's The Midgar Minute. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Very easy to find, The Midgar Minute. But again, big shout out to the Sages of the Lodge and the Mosey Gang. Thank you all Mosey for your gang. support. And we're going to catch you on the next one. Peace out. Peace.